Lord God, you are faithful. You are true. You are the keeper of promises. You have made you've made some big promises and you've kept everyone. You promised that you would come and you did. You promised that you would never leave us or forsake us and you won't. You promised that you're coming again and that is our hope. But we're also grateful for the good things you give to us. We're grateful for the, the structures uh, that you've provided for society, the structure of family, uh, the, the structure of a church, the structure of government. But Lord, our, our hope and our confidence are not in those structures. Our hope is found in your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for your steadfast love. And thank you for the calling that you give to us to join you in your kingdom work to lovingly serve for your glory and the blessing, not only of our lives, but the lives of others. So would you now, God, speak to us through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would go ahead and be seated. Uh, we live in a blessed nation because of those who have been willing and faithful to bless it with their lives. Anything that is good, anything that has value in our world, it has a blessing upon it. Not just the divine supernatural blessing that cannot be seen, but it is the blessing that can be seen through the sacrifices and the hands and feet of men and women who are willing to stand in and do the hard work. We have a great history as a nation. We have the foundation of those who've gone before us who have shown us the way of loving service. I cannot find the author of this quote, and if you can find who said this or wrote this, please send it to me. And I don't know that this is exactly how it was said. When you think about our nation, you think about what we have as a foundation. Understand, other nations may try to emulate the political process, economic strategy, and education system of the USA. But without the fundamental value of service provided by the likes of Franklin, Jefferson, Adams, and Washington, they can never succeed as the USA has. See, there is a fundamental aspect of our identity of a nation that is built on the loving sacrifice of those who've gone before us. So you can copy an economic system. You can use the vernacular of a people. But until you have those who show the way and set the trajectory for what a, a body of people are meant to be, it, it never comes into existence. There's never that reality. It's always theory. It's always ideological, but never actual. What we have as a nation is we have a history of men and women who have said, I will serve. I will sacrifice. And I will do it with love. We have a history of men and women who said, I will stake my fortunes. I will do what is necessary for the greater good. I will seek out and I will serve the need that exists. And so we have a fundamental aspect that many nations do not have, is we have people that understand freedom and who are willing to die for it. And because of that, we have privileges and opportunities. We have abilities that other nations do not have. And that is to the praise of God's great name, because they were following the example of the Savior when they made those decisions. What did God do for us? God left the comforts of heaven and came to a distant land where, where he went to war, where there was battle, and Christ was victorious. Not only did he defeat the devil in the desert and many times over, but then in one weekend, he conquered the power of sin 
on the cross, and then death through His resurrection. It was His sacrifice that has modeled for us as a nation what it means to truly be free and effective. And so we are a blessed people. But understand that the value of service that has been motivated by, by Christ, it's, it, it's, it's necessary, not optional. Understand, Christianity will fail where loving service is absent. Let me say that again. Christianity will fail where loving service is absent. When Christians lose sight of Christ and stop modeling their lives after Him, they fail to be viable, and they die. They die from self-inflicted wounds. There are many churches patterned across the landscape of our nation that died from self-inflicted wounds. There are many who claim Christ who are not walking with Him today because of self-inflicted wounds. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Why? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, talking about godly things, but denying its power. Avoid such people. What happens to a people of God is when they lose sight of Jesus Christ, they become the worst of what humanity can be and die from self-inflicted wounds. God has called all of us, not just some of us, to have a way of life that is that is capable of being seen as that of an overseer. There are so many Christians who want to say, oh, I... I'm not in leadership. I, I'm not up front. I'm not someone who has, you know, that leadership covenant responsibility that other people have. Listen, Scripture doesn't call just some of us. He calls all of us to have a way of life that, that brings about a, a sense of awe for the greatness of God to bring transformation. And so the way we live is important. We should all live lives that, that, that are consistent with the standards Necessary, according to the Word of God, for biblical oversight of a congregation. Again, this is not just for a few. This is for all who claim Jesus Christ. Again, back to the Word of God, Titus 1.7.8, we see this description. For an overseer, again, the overseer, this is an expected minimum, but can I tell you again, this is not just for some, this is for all. This is a standard of way of life for all of God's children. It is, it is just simply meant to be modeled more and more publicly by those who lead. For an overseer, as God's steward, look at this, must be above reproach. That's not just for elders. That's not just for pastors. You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are to be above reproach in your home. You're to be above reproach in your business dealings. You're, you're to be above reproach in your work in, in the community in your neighborhood. God has called us to have a standard of way of life that is above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. This is the way of life of a child of God. No matter what role you may or may not have in church life, all of us are called to live out this way of life. But being God's people is not easy. We have to be intentional in how we live. For a church to remain viable, you've got to understand the church must have God's love as the primary descriptor of her existence 
and then serve others out of that love. Our scripture today shows us how and why that happens. You've got your Bible, and I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me to the New Testament. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Today we're going to look primarily at verses 34 and 35. And Blaine Young's going to read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Again, we are in John chapter 13, and our primary focus will be in verses 34 and 35. Blaine, you got it? Uh-huh. Go for it, buddy. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Blaine. If you would, a family, be, be seated. You know, uh, this weekend, thousands of young adults in our community graduated from our high schools. And this graduation ceremony, uh, it always amazes me, the, the peculiarity of it. I mean, you, you think about uh, what, what goes on, and this has been going on, this pageantry, it, it dates back centuries. But, you know, you go in, and, and what do you see? You see a bunch of, of people in robes and funny hats, right? I mean, you came in this morning, and you saw people in robes and funny hats. You think, are we recognizing graduates today? Because no one wears that stuff, right? It's just odd. And so we, you go to these ceremonies, and you see them coming in with the robes. Yeah, there are the educators and administrators. Oh, yes, and those, there are the students, and they've got the funny hats on, right? And, and that is to set them apart from the rest of the crowd. God expects us to live lives that are set apart for His glory. And the descriptor is not to be about what we wear or where we spend Sunday morning. God said, they will know you are my disciples, how you love one another. The descriptor that is to, to have an impact on our society is not, it's not, it's not anything greater than the love of God revealed in the way we treat and talk and, and care for other people. And what, what happens is that when we live out this life, there's a freedom and an effectiveness that can only be found in that love. See, we were, we were meant by God, we were made by God to be in harmony. But because of sin, there's now brokenness in our world. And so regardless of, of how much you seek to love, without the love of Christ, your love will always be tainted with sin. No matter what good you design to do with your life and desire to do and set out to do, Without Christ, it will always be contaminated with sin, and it will always lead to brokenness. Thanks be to God, He did not abandon us. God has come to give us a freedom that allows us to be truly effective with our one and only life. But see, in order to experience that, we've got to give up on self-autonomy. We've got to give up on, on our own self-centeredness, and we must say to God, God, I want you to be alive in me as these children today made public profession of their saving faith in Jesus Christ. What they were saying is, my old life is over. I've been given new life in Christ. My old life is dead. I've been washed by the, by the power of the gospel and raised to walk in a new life. That happens, and that's possible, because God entered our world because Jesus died for our sins, because He's conquered death, and because He is a risen Savior, we can commune with Him. We can have life in Him, His life in us, and our life hidden in Him, which enables us to pursue and recover God's design. And, and in that pursuit, what we discover is that we are becoming what God made us to be. 
God made us to love and to live in sacrificial service for His kingdom purpose and for other people. And it's when we do that, friends, it's when we're living that out that we are truly free and truly effective as human beings. Now, what we see in our text today is how that happens, why that happens. Take note of this. The first one is this. We are never more free or effective than when we live a life of loving service. Look at this. For one another's sake. Back to verse 34, John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. See, when we love others and serve out of a motivational love, we are free from, from some very destructive forces. One is self-centeredness. See, when we choose to be like Christ and to love as He loved, it keeps us from asking the question, well, does this make me happy? Is this what I want? You're never going to accomplish the greatness of what God has for you until you give up on your rights and begin to serve others with what He's given to you. And not for your glory, but for His See, love has a power. The power of love moves people to do great things. Without the power of love, nothing great would happen. You think about what mothers go through to provide for their children. That is great love on display. You think about fathers who are willing to sacrifice and serve, and as husbands and wives are willing, they, they change the diapers of their children. They do the hard work of being tenderly tough. Listen, parents, lead your children even though it is terribly hard. Lead them to worship the one true God. And even if they don't do it in their hearts, bring them to this place and demand that they be in an environment where the one true God is worshipped in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, even when they don't want to, even when they complain, even when they cry. May they one day talk about the drug problem that they had when they were kids that their parents drugged them to church. That is a blessing and it's tough love, but it's so tender. There is a love of a parent that says, you know what, this isn't comfortable for me. But it's not about me. It's about others. It's about my children. And it's not just parents for children. It's not just parents changing their children's diapers. What about when children begin to change their parents' diapers? What about when spouses begin to, to do that for one another, even when the spouse can't remember the other one's name because of sickness, because of Alzheimer's, because of that, that terrible hurt of loss? In those moments, it's not going to be fine. In those moments, it's not going to be about how glorious and glamorous it is. It's going to be real love in that moment. And it's going to exist because you've been free from self-centeredness. And you'll be free from the brokenness that comes from sin. See, without the love of Jesus Christ, your love will always fall short. And in that falling short, there will be always something that is missing that will create brokenness in any relationship. It always happens. I talk to people every week, those who know Christ, those who are coming to know Christ, and no one sets out to destroy their marriage. No one sets out to destroy their family or friendships. What happens? Because of sin, because of an unwillingness to love sacrificially, people will do what's in their best interest, which will many times cause a deficit or a deficiency in the relationship, which causes brokenness. Without the love of Christ, there is sin, which always leads to brokenness. But in Christ, we are free from self-centeredness. We are free from brokenness. And we're free from, from hypocrisy. In Christ, we don't have to be fake. 
I cannot tell you how embarrassing sometimes it is to be a pastor. It is. Because I will walk up and the, I will see people. When I'm walking up, it's like, oh, here comes a preacher. Everyone acts like we're Christians for five minutes. You know, you just see it in their faces. Hello, Pastor. Praise God. How are you today? You know, they're sitting like, what's he on? You know, it's like, praise God. Where did he ever say that before? Right? And it's just so uncomfortable. It's just like, I just want to leave so they can, like, cuss again or something. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. It's just, but can I tell you what a joy it is when there, there's a person or a family or a group of friends and they're just hanging out and I walk up and say, hey, Pastor, what's going on? And the people that they were five minutes before I showed up and five minutes after they left are the same people. There is a freedom in Christ just to be who God is, has made you and is making you to be. It's not about you. You're not self-centered. You're not creating brokenness with your sin. You're not being fake. You're not being a hypocrite. And you get the blessing. See, that's what's so amazing about this deal. There is no greater blessing than being the blessing. And so when you are willing to serve for the sake of one another, well, that you are blessed. But I know there's some who would say, well, I don't really care to get that blessing. I think I'll just be a jerk. Well, let me just tell you, do it even though you don't get what you want out of it. Do it for one another's sakes. Remember what Jesus did. This is a song that was sung. It's called the Canonical Hymn. It's a song in the early church. We have it recorded in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full uh, accord and, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Look at that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a uh, thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Be like Jesus. Do it for one another's sake. And then two, do it for Jesus' sake. We are never more free. We are never more free or effective than when we live a life of loving service for Jesus' sake. Again, verse 34, the second part there in John 13. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus came to give his life so that we can live. There is no greater purpose that we can live for than to show and to share our lives by giving them as an act of service so that others might believe. Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life. Remember John 15, 12 through 14? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus said, I loved you so much I gave you my life. I laid my down my life for you. And if you believe in me, you are my friends. You are the ones I, I sought to serve and to bring about salvation. And, and we are now, in the name of Jesus, to serve others. I was talking with a, a young person who, the last six months, has been overseas studying abroad. 
going into different cultures. And I was so excited to hear about her experiences in India and, and, and some of the places I've been and also some of the people groups that, that we come in contact with here at Living Hope and with the Burb, uh, with, from Burma and Burmese and all these other places. And it was interesting, as, as she was talking, I was asking her about the safety concerns, and her father said, you know, one of the things that just constantly moved me is there was a thought that here was my daughter. She had to have all these shots because of the, of the fear of her coming in contact with dirty water and, and criminals and all kinds of things. He said, but then I thought about our military. I thought, these men and women, they, they go in and they face those dangerous plus bullets. And they choose that. They choose to go in the harm's way to serve others. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He chose to enter into a place where he was not loved, where he was hated, to do battle for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And so for Jesus' sake, we are called to do what he did and to serve others, to, to be as Christ to them. And last, we are never more free or effective than when we live a life of loving service for the world's sake. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Friends, you know this like I do. The world is looking for love, but in all the wrong places. You cannot find love in power. You cannot find love in possessions and popularity and pleasure. Love is found, true love is found in one place, Christ alone. And the world needs to know this message. They need to hear of what God has done. We've got to give it to them. What did Jesus do for us? What did God do for us? You know this one, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He gave so that whoever believes. Listen, we can't control who believes. But we can control who hears. You can't control who is going to respond in faith. But you can control who gets to hear the message of the gospel. Last night, we finally sat down and had a few minutes, and I, I knew there would be tons of pictures on social media, not just my family's pictures, but everyone else's as well. And it was so fun to watch the different students who had graduated. It was, it was particularly amusing to me to think about some of them when they were in preschool, some of them when they were young children, because I can remember, and I remember thinking, they were a knucklehead then, and they're a knucklehead now, right? Some things don't change. <laughs> I was mindful of their instructors. Who must have thought some of those days, my goodness, is this child learning anything? And it dawned on me, you know what? Educators are not responsible for whether or not students listen. They're responsible to teach. Those students must make the choice to listen and to apply what has been taught. So we who are in Christ, we cannot choose who listens and who applies what can't be learned. We are responsible to teach it. You are responsible in your workplace. You are responsible in your, in your home, amongst your family and friends, in your neighborhood, to do what God did and to give the hope of the gospel by telling it and sharing it. And it is then that you will find that you are truly free and effective. But it only happens when you choose to love, to lovingly serve for one another's sake, for Jesus' sake, and for the sake of the world. And so I know some of you, you need to be saved. You need to give your life to Christ. Some of you need to pray and ask God to make you more faithful. 
Some of you need to pray for friends and family members that you love, and we all need to pray for our nation. And so we have just a few moments as we sing and praise God for our need of Him. But if you would like, you're welcome to come forward and pray. Let's stand together as we prepare for this. Lord God, we are grateful for your grace, and we are mindful of our need of you to serve in your name, to be of service to you and for you. And Lord, I pray today that we have been mindful of the examples that we have as a nation, but the ultimate example, even for our nation, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, that we might live like him and for him and enjoy freedom and effectiveness in our lives as we seek to pursue and recover your design. So Lord, hear us now as we acknowledge our need for you. And for those who want to come and talk with you, Lord, hear their prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.